ask her how you can help uh, maybe do something nice for the Early Learning Center. And let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Loving God, we are so thankful that we can come here uh, and worship together this morning. We pray that you will calm our hearts and our minds and help us focus on you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Please remain standing and join us in the affirmation of faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Every year we, around Easter time, take up what we call an Alleluia offering. Will you be making your way up here, Jay? We, uh, all, all along the, the month of April and the month of Easter, whatever it happens to fall, we, we take a special offering up just as a way to say thank you, God, for how good you are to us. And we always set a goal. And um, I've asked Jay Hedgepeth, the, the chairperson of our generosity team, to make that announcement on how we did with our Alleluia offering. Thank you, Sam. Uh, well, we have really good news. Uh, I think we've got some, some wonderful momentum going here at the church. Again, it's great to see all of you here. Uh, we just came off of Easter and now getting ready for summer. Uh, there are some wonderful things going on at our church, and we just want to kind of build upon that. As Sam said, we met as a church leadership uh, a couple of weeks ago and identified a couple of needs here within the church. Uh, these wonderful voices back here that you are hearing, and of course, uh, ongoing needs with our family ministry and our children's ministry. We decided to, to put our Alleluia offering proceeds towards these two uh, specific ministries within the church. As Sam said, we identified that our goal this year was $35,000. And looking back since we have been doing this, uh, that is quite a lofty goal. That actually may have even broken some records if we even got there. Uh, so through, through prayer, through faith, setting these goals, challenging uh, you as our church members, our church leaders. I am very pleased, uh, very encouraged to say that we have actually not only met that goal, we exceeded that goal. Uh, and so with that, our final tally through the Alleluia offering is $37,725. So as a church membership, thank you and glory to God on that. Thank you, Jay. Um, now, something else to say hallelujah about are our kids, right? Uh, Miss Catherine is going to do a um, presentation about our second grade uh, Bibles. All right, good morning. Um, every year, 
sorry. Good morning. Can you hear me? Hello? Is it? Yes? Okay. Um, Gazin First has presented Bibles to our children who have completed second grade. Um, I ask that the church body, body to pray for these children throughout the year as they read their Bibles, their studies, their scripture, and implement it in their daily life. I will announce the children's names, and as they, if they are present, they'll come forward, and when they come to the altar, they'll receive their Bible, and we will pray over these Bibles and these children um, at the end. All right, Cooper Jones, Miko Norris, Hadley Freeman, and Liam Humphreys. much for Liam and we thank you for all of our second graders God we pray that you'll help them uh, to grow in you we pray that they'll continue to grow in their faith and be a blessing uh, to others in the community uh, and God we just lift up all of the kids in the children's ministry God we are so thankful for all the awesome ministry that's happening there we thank you for this in Jesus name amen All right, for, the, for these ministries and many other ministries, uh, we thank you for your ongoing support. And now we will receive our morning offering. Let us pray. God, for all the blessings you pour into our lives, thank you so much. As we give now our tithes and offerings to you, we pray that you would take those and bless them and use them as you see fit in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.
Please be seated. During the month of May, we're going to be highlighting, our mission highlight is going to be our missionaries. We have 350 United Methodist missionaries serving in 60 countries around the world. And each week we're going to just kind of highlight one. And today we're highlighting Reverend Rhett Thompson. I think his picture will be up there uh, if it's not already. And he, as long as I can remember, and I've been around a long time, Rhett has lived and worked in Panama. He is serving a church there in the Republic of Panama, serving as pastor of the Evangelical Methodist Church in Panama. He is a native of Florence, Alabama, so he's kind of like a homie for me. He grew up in Canterbury United Methodist Church in Birmingham. You probably know somebody that goes there. He went to Davidson College in North Carolina and Emory University in Atlanta for his Master's of Divinity. And since he moved to Panama, and here's what you need to understand about Methodist missionaries, is they don't just go on a mission trip. They move to a place and live and, and serve there, you know, raising their family there. And since he has been there, he has earned his Master's of Family Counseling at a Catholic university in Panama. That's Rhett Thompson. Now, I want to encourage you. There's a bulletin board, Pastor Andy, out there. I don't want to like go and hit you, but out by the um, out by the elevator, there's a bulletin board. It's kind of our mission bulletin board, and we have it's a map of the world, and we've got like little pins and strings of of uh, and Eileen. If you need a bulletin board done, Eileen will volunteer to come to your house. No, look, she's shaking her head. But we're going we're gonna to highlight our, our missionaries and show you all around the world uh, where our missionaries are serving. So let's remember uh, Rhett Thompson, his family, and all of those that he is serving, and all of our missionaries as we go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, Lord, we know that you gave us a great commission to go into all the world and to make disciples and to baptize them and to teach them and God, we're so thankful for those who have answered the call and who go all around the world to share your love. And God, help us to be willing to work on our mission field right here where we are and to listen for your call in case you call us to do something that maybe takes a little step of faith and some courage, Lord. You know the needs of our hearts and lives even before we ask, but we lift them up to you anyway, God, because you have called us you have called us to bring our needs to you and cast our cares on you. So we do. And we pray that even now you would teach us to pray the prayer that you taught your disciples when you said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
will you join me as we sing our hymn of preparation? And while we do that, Miss Catherine's going to take the children to Children's Church now. So if you want to go to Children's Church, follow Miss Catherine. But for the rest of us, let's stand and sing the hymn of promise, 707. Please be seated and join me as we turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 21, today. John, chapter 21, verses 1 through 19. The words will be up on the screen for you if you want to follow along there. If you brought your Bible, then, then you know where the Gospel of John is. All right. If you have a Bible that's just like mine, it's on page 156, but otherwise you're on your own. All right. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach. But the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, have you no fish? They answered, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. 
the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes for he was naked and he jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off land, only about 100 yards away. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And there were so many that the net was, though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. Now this was the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he'd said to him the third time, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. My friend's daughter uh, did something last weekend that I wish all of y'all could do if you haven't already done it. She went on a, a spiritual retreat called the Walk to Emmaus at Camp Sumatonga. Have any of y'all ever been on the Walk to Emmaus? A couple of you have been on the Walk to Emmaus. Well, I wish that everybody could. I, I've talked about it before. It's just a, a really powerful and, and really meaningful experience. Um, so since not many of you raised your hand, here's what happens on a walk. You have a sponsor who, who is sponsors you on your walk. And your sponsor gets you on a Thursday and takes you down on a Thursday evening to Camp Sumatonga. Helps you get settled in and everything and uh, make sure that you know where to go. And then your sponsor goes back to their home and you're at camp uh, for three days. Because your sponsor is going to come back and pick you up on a Sunday night at the closing service, you know. But for three whole days, you're at Camp Sumatonga with no cell phone. And no TV, no computer, not even a watch or a car. Now, some of you are thinking to yourself, that sounds really nice. And some of you are starting to shake a little bit because <laughs> you're thinking about, oh, my cell phone, oh, you know. But the, the purpose of all this, this experience is meant to give all of the people on this, this walk, the Emmaus, all of, at this camp, 
all of the pilgrims on this walk a chance to maybe for the first time have enough undistracted time that they can really talk to God and really hear God talk to them. And like I said, you know, we're all so busy. It may be the first time or the first time in a long, long time that you've ever just concentrated on, on what God was doing in your life. And, and along the way, uh, in addition to just being in the beautiful camps in Tonga, along the way, you're going to meet friends, you're, you're going to sing a lot, you're going to laugh a lot, you're going to worship and a lot, and going to eat a lot of good food. You're going to hear uh, both clergy and laypersons give diff different talks on uh, just the basics of Christian living, anywhere from grace to perseverance to priorities. And just like the original pilgrims on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24, just like those original pilgrims, Cleopas and his friend, you're going to find yourself somehow mysteriously encountering the resurrected Lord. I'm telling you what, it just changes you forever. But here's what your mind does. Here's the process that goes through somebody's mind on this and just about without fail. The Thursday night that you go down there, your friend takes you down there, and you're laying, you know, a lot of people around you don't know, and you're thinking, oh, I've got to sleep on that bunk bed, and you're all of this kind of stuff, and you, I don't have my watch, I don't have my. You're thinking to yourself, I'm going to kill him, whoever it was. <laughs> I should have never said yes to this. So that's Thursday night. But by Sunday night, at the closing service, you're thinking, you know, it wouldn't be so bad to just stay here. I think I could just stay here. I don't want to go back to normal life, uh, you know, because here's what happens after Sunday night. Monday morning, that's what happens. And when you've been away at camp for three days, Monday means dirty laundry, dirty dishes. It means catching up on whatever you missed. It means maybe going back to a job that you may or may not love so much. And maybe you got all of those things waiting for you. Um, and you're changed just a little bit, you know, maybe a lot. Experiencing the resurrected Lord, stopping long enough to listen to what God might say to you, it changes you, you know. And doing that experience along with other pilgrims, it changes you. But here you are, uh, and you feel a little bit different. Nobody else in your world feels a little bit different when you go back to Monday morning. And you think, what do I do now? You know, what do I do with this experience? What now? And that's where I think the disciples were in John chapter 21. Uh, they really got to spend some time with the resurrected Lord. Sheila reminded us last week from John chapter 20. Um, and thank you, by the way, Sheila, for doing such a good job last Sunday. Um, but she read from John. There they were after Jesus had been crucified and they were hiding behind closed doors. They were scared. They, they were scared to death. And then Jesus was there and he said, peace be with you. And he showed them his hands and his side. He showed them the scar. It's really me. Look here. Here is me. And he said, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. 
And he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm telling you what, they all were changed by that experience. Maybe not all, because somebody wasn't there that first time, right? Thomas, old doubting Thomas, was famously not there that evening. But you know, Jesus didn't shame Thomas for doubting. He came back and said, here you go, Thomas. Here you go. So the disciples who had seen the resurrected Lord, who had had the Holy Spirit breathed on them, who had received their marching orders, go just like the Father sent me, I'm sending you. They were, hey, Thomas, we met the resurrected Jesus. And Thomas like, eh. I don't know. I got my doubts. One of the talks that's given on the Emmaus Walk at Camp Sumatanga, one of the talks is given is called the fourth day. And what they mean by the fourth day is, you know, you've been at camp for three days. You had this amazing experience and everything. And then comes the fourth day, Monday. I've already mentioned Monday. You know, there's a reason that the saying is thank God it's Friday and not thank God it's Monday because Monday is like, yeah. So what do you do now? People around you are not as excited as you are, not as enthusiastic as you are. I picture the disciples in my mind standing by the Sea of Galilee. It calls it the Sea of Tiberias in John 20. Same, same one, Sea of Galilee. They've been there before. That's that's kind of where their life was centered. That I can hear the lapping of the waves, you know, and smell the, the breeze coming off of the sea and, and the boats out there on the water. And you have to remember Simon Peter and James and John, sons of Zebedee, they were, I know that they were there, and I know that they used to make their livelihood by fishing, didn't they? How natural for it uh, was it for them to just say, Oh, what are we going to do now? Might as well go back to fishing. Here, let's just go ahead and go and fish. But here's the problem with that. After you've experienced the resurrected Lord, after you have had the Holy Spirit breathed on you, somehow you just can't go backwards. When you're resurrection people, Going backwards is just not a good option. Um, sometimes we want to go backwards. I'm just telling you the truth. I get nostalgic just like everybody else. The older I get, the more nostalgic I get. Sometimes we feel pulled like to go backwards just by force of habit, right? You, you just, do you kind of get stuck in your ways like me I don't know how many times over the last two years that I have either thought this said this or heard somebody else say it and I want I want you to smile at me if you have heard this or said this sometime over the last two years I will be glad when everything gets back to normal y'all know what I'm talking back to normal some of you are smiling at me some of you are just like what's up preacher back to normal 
The problem with back to normal is we're a little bit different now, maybe a lot different. We have been through something. It's changed us, and the normal, whatever normal is going to look like, it won't be the old normal. It'll be the new normal. It reminds me of, of what um, a Greek philosopher, Heraclitus, is quoted as saying. Uh, he said, no man ever steps into the same river twice, for it's not the same river, and he's not the same man. So this afternoon, um, you join Pastor Andy. He's going to go down to the Coosa River to experiment with this. He's going to step into the river, and then tomorrow he's going to step in it again. He won't be the same, and that river won't be the same. Look for snakes when you, when you go. You know, because we're different now. We're Easter people now. We're Easter people. We have met the resurrected Lord. We, we're different. Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit on us uh, at the waters of our baptism. And we got a commission and a job too because just like those disciples, Jesus says to us, just as I have been sent, I'm sending you. And Jesus doesn't send backwards. Jesus sends forwards. From now on, he says, from now on, you're headed in a new direction. You're headed in a new direction because you're fishing for people now. You remember when Jesus was first calling the disciples? Let's do a flashback. Flashback with me to Luke chapter 5. Jesus is just starting out. He's calling his disciples. He's teaching down by this same seaside, you know, down by the seaside, teaching the multitude and he gets over in, into Simon Peter's boat and they cast out a little bit from the shore. And he's, now he's teaching from the boat. And then when he finishes teaching, he tells Simon Peter, cast out to the deep and let your net down. And <laughs> they fished at night back then, y'all, because that's when the fish it was cooler. The fish would come up to the surface and they could bring them in with a net, right? And Peter said, Master... We fished all night long and we didn't catch anything. But because you say so, I'll try. And he let his net down and he pulled in so many fish that he didn't know what to do with it. So many fish he didn't know what to do. I mean, the net started tearing and they had to bring other boats to help him get. And Peter realized that this was a miraculous catch of fish and he just fell down at Jesus' feet and he said, go away from me, Lord, because I'm a sinful man. And Jesus said to him, Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. From now on, do you see how the kingdom of God moves forward, 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 from now on? Look, I don't know what you did in the past. From now on, you don't go backwards. You don't go backwards. Don't be afraid, Simon. You're just going to fish for people now. Sometimes the disciples needed reminding. And I want to tell you what, sometimes we need reminding too, don't we? Because we just say, well, I guess I'll go back to fishing now. No, you won't. No, no. Well, when they went back to fishing that day in John 21, they, they had the same luck that I have sometimes when I'm fishing. They fished 
didn't catch a thing. Which just symbolizes to me that going backwards is an unfruitful direction to go. We don't go backwards. So they're coming in after a long night of fishing, didn't catch a thing. They're discouraged. I know. They're tired. Maybe a little tad grumpy and hungry. And they're coming in and they see along the shore, there's this figure on the shore. They, it's Jesus, but they don't know it's Jesus yet. And, and the, the guy on the shore hollers out at them, Hey children, y'all didn't catch anything, did you? And they said, thanks for pointing that out to us. That's real nice of you. They didn't say that, but I would have. Um, they said, no. He said, well, cast on the other side. Of the, try casting on the other side. And they were thinking, that's not how we do it. That's different. We don't do things that way. We've always done it this way. But what the heck? We don't have anything to lose, right? Just whew, net out. Ooh, so many fish, we don't know what to do with them. So, ah. And John realizes that it's the Lord. And Peter puts his clothes back on because he's fishing naked. No, look, don't try this at home. And it really didn't mean just totally naked. But he puts his cloak back on. He jumps in the water and swims to Jesus. Jesus has got a fire going and he's cooking fish and bread, which sounds awfully good. Some grilled fish sounds awfully good. But they had so many fishes. By the time they brought them in, did you notice it tells you how many fish? 153 fish. Now, you got to think that John's gospel has that in there, not just accidentally. That number's got to mean something, right? All across the years, St. Augustine and all these people have, have said, oh, here's what the 153 means. And it's kind of my favorite, my favorite description of what the 153 means was from uh, St. Jerome, a fourth century uh, priest and theologian. And it's really simple. He says it's really simple. There were 153 different kind of fish in the sea in that day. So 153 means there was room in the net for all of them. The net didn't tear. All people from all nations, all tribes, all... Uh, it, have you ever been to um, one of those aquariums in Chattanooga or Atlanta or Gatlinburg? I love going to those things. And you're standing in front of this big, huge wall and there's all kinds of different fish in there. Some of them are brightly colored. Some of them are kind of dull colored. Some of them are big. Some of them are small. Some of them got big teeth. Some, uh, some of them are really, really strange looking. But the point is there's room in the net for all of those fish. The net didn't tear this time. Um, we, we're having a meeting tonight called Pathways 22 with the church leadership and, and we always toss out ideas. Last time we did this, uh, Claire Hedspeth had this, this terrific idea and we haven't done it yet, but I'm all, I'm all for it. Um, there's to meet at the ax throwing place. Did y'all know we have an ax throwing place? To meet at the ax throwing place and have a little thing and call it Ax Me Why I'm Methodist. Get it? Okay, maybe it was bad. 
<laughs> this is just bad enough to work. But you know one of the reasons that I'm United Methodist is because we got a big net. And we said there's room for everybody in this net. All different shapes and sizes and all different strange and uh, bizarre looking fish. Because, I mean, look at the person next to you. If they look normal, maybe you're the bizarre looking fish. I don't know. There's room in the nets for all nations and tribes. So we're Easter people and we don't go backwards. And we're Easter people and we also don't go alone. Now, I know I'm, I'm an introvert by nature and I, I've lived my whole life in this individualistic kind of society that we have. And there's lots of days that I just want to pull the cover over my head and say, okay, it's just you and me, Jesus. Just you and me today. But that's not what Jesus sends us to do. As a matter of fact, when you look at the conversation he had with Simon Peter, it's kind of the opposite of that. Um, because he kind of reminds him, hey, Jesus, you know this miracle fish catching here? Do, do, do you remember now that I said you're fishing for people now? It's not just you, you're fishing for people. And then he says three different times, he said, do you love me, Peter? Uh, yes, Lord, I love you. Well, then feed my little lambs. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Well, then tend to my flock. Do you love me? Oh, Jesus, you're hurting my feelings. You know everything. You know I love you. Well, then feed my sheep. So here's the answer to that question when you're feeling stuck and it's like, well, what do we do now? Oh, something's happened to me. I'm a little bit different now, maybe a lot different now. What do I do now? Well, do I just kind of go back to the old or do I go? No, we go forward because we're fishers of people now. We cast that net, why? We're fishers of people now, okay? It's not just you and me, Jesus. It's take it to the world, right? And we're shepherds. We're fishers of people and we're shepherds of people. We feed the little lambs. We tend to the flock. We feed the grown-up sheep. That's what we do. We're fishers of people and we're shepherds of people. And I know that's mixed metaphors, but you get the point. The Lord sends us. And we never go backwards. And we never go alone. Remember, if you know who you are, then you'll know what to do. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for your presence and for the wind of the Holy Spirit that blows into our lives and for your call on our lives. We may not be called to go to Panama or to somewhere in the ends of the earth. We might be called to just serve you right where we are, but wherever we are called, we're called. And not just one of us, all of us, are to fish for people and to shepherd the people. Once we bring them into the net, we get, we get them into the net and we love them and we feed them and we tend to their needs. Lord, remind us, oh Lord, remind us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We have um, an opportunity today
for us to share communion together. And I want to um, invite you, if you want to turn in the hymnal, if you are a person that likes to follow along in the hymnal, you can turn to page 12, service of word and table, or you can follow along on the screen if you don't want to fool with the book. If you're from uh, participating at home, now would be a good time for you to sneak into the kitchen and get whatever you have on hand so you can have communion uh, wherever you are and uh, you can participate with us too. Service of word and table. Now Pastor Andy's going to share the invitation with us. Christ our Lord invites his table. All who love him will earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, God. We confess confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory Glory to to God. God. Amen. Amen. And now we will continue with the great thanksgiving, middle of page 13, if you're following along in the hymnal. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your son Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. 
By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet through your son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church. All honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. I want to give you a couple words of instruction and just a reminder, or maybe this is new if it's your first time here to have communion with us. Um, we, we have open communion in the United Methodist Church. Another reason, if you ask me, I'll tell you why I love being in the United Methodist Church. We have open communion, and that means that everyone who is here is invited to come to the Lord's table, whether you're a member of this church or any church. All you have to do is have a hungry heart and come and want to meet the Lord here. So another thing is it's our tradition to come and kneel at the altar to receive communion that way. If you have a bad hip, back, knee, anything like that, and you say, I don't know if I can kneel down and get back up, just come and stand. It's, it's, it's perfectly fine. Or we'll come and meet you at your seat and give you an opportunity to be served there. Um, we have another tradition that we have. We have a tradition of leaving a communion offering as God leads you and enables you. Just leave a communion offering on the altar rail if you are able to do that. What happens to the communion offering is it goes to help people who call our church, and that happens a lot, call our church asking for help with various things. And so 100% of your communion offering goes just for our local missions fund, our local benevolence fund. So as, as God enables you and leads you, uh, do that. So what we'll do now is we will invite our choir to come, come down from the choir loft first and receive. And then after that, the ushers will direct you uh, on, on how and when that, that you will come. Oh, um, we have two helpers that are going to be helping us. So if our helpers will come, we will serve you first. Thank you, Pastor Andy. and go in peace and may the peace of Christ go with you. Amen.
blood of Christ shed for you. rise and go in peace and may the peace of Christ go with you. Amen. Arise now and go in peace, and may the peace of Christ go with you. Amen. and go in peace and may the peace of Christ go with you. Amen. stand now for our benediction.
And now may that same Holy Spirit and that same call be felt by every one of us. As the Father sent Jesus, now Jesus sends us. Go and be fishers of people, be shepherds of those we catch. In Jesus' name, amen.